Amen. Good evening, one and all. Great to see you all in church this evening. It's really good, really encouraging. <clears throat> this <clears throat> on this uh, lovely uh, sunny summer evening. Now, we're working our way on Sundays through John's Gospel. We're taking a chapter uh, every service, so it's a chapter in the morning and then the next chapter in the evening, and by the end of August, we'll have gone through all 21 chapters. If you come morning and evening, you'll have worked your way through the whole of John's Gospel, but don't feel guilty if you only come morning or only come evening, because actually uh, each talk stands on its own, okay? So bring friends as well over, over these summer weeks. And tonight we're into chapter 6 of John's Gospel, and there's 72 verses in that chapter, so I'm not going to preach on all of it, partly because it's not that long since I preached on, a, on, on the first bit of it. So we're going to be starting tonight at verse 22 of John chapter 6. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate uh, your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to do be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. 
They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that the one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him, as the living Father sent me. And I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Lord, I pray that tonight your word, Lord God, would uh, come uh, in power to each and to every one of us, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would strip bare our hearts so that Lord, we would open our wills and our lives and who we are to whatever it is and to everything, Lord, that you'd want to say to us in this place this evening. So send your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. May your word, Lord God, be our rule. And may the glory of the Lord Jesus be our only concern. So, John chapter 6, the first 14 verses that I didn't read, they tell the story of how Jesus fed probably in or around 20,000 people. It's called the feeding of the 5,000, but that was just the men. There would have been women and uh, children there as well. So, if you take 1.2, you know, a a woman with each of the guys and, and maybe two children Uh, On average, in or around probably 20,000 people fed miraculously by a little lunch, five baps uh, and two fish. 
provided by a small boy in the crowd. The chapter begins with that story, the familiar miracle of the feeding of what we call the feeding of the 5,000. Then there follows in the next number of verses and a further miracle, a very different miracle, where, where Jesus walks on water towards his disciples who are out in a boat. And he makes his way towards them. He, he walks on the water towards his disciples. He talk, walks on top of the water. Uh, uh, don't recommend that you try it. Uh, Jesus did it with a purpose, uh, and it was an incredible miracle. Then the followers, the, 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 the crowds that particularly that were there for the first of the miracles, for the feeding of the 5,000, they go in pursuit of Jesus. That's what's happening here in verse 24. We read, when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. They're pursuing Jesus. They're pursuing him because he'd been the provider of their material needs. And they clearly liked the idea of someone who would give them the material things that they, that they wanted. They clearly had enjoyed the miracle, the miracle with the fish maker and the, the bread baker, as it were, who, who with this little lunch had fed a multitude. And then there was the incredible thing of the 12 baskets that were left over that the disciples gathered up uh, at the end. But they were about to be challenged. They'd pursued Jesus, perhaps wanting to witness another miracle, wanting maybe to receive in some other way from Jesus something that would be of physical benefit to them. But they encounter Jesus, a Jesus who, yes, is interested in our physical needs, and it's right that we would want to know that Jesus is concerned about our physical needs. But actually, a Jesus, a Christ, who's concerned about a lot, lot more than not just our physical needs. He says to them in verse 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus wants to do more than just fill their stomachs. Following Jesus is never meant to be something that's just about self-indulgence. It's not to be about our indulging of ourselves. We're to follow Jesus for his glory. We're to follow Jesus because we love him. We're to follow Jesus because we want to see his kingdom rule come upon our lives. We follow Jesus because we want our lives to be cleansed and made holy. We follow Jesus because we want our lives to honor him and to, to please him. And we follow Jesus because we want so want others to experience the good blessings that he is for them too. Verse 27, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. The food that was gathered up in those baskets after the miracle would have eventually have gone off. Food does go off. 
all the physical things of life that we uh, enjoy uh, and uh, partake of uh, don't last for forever, none of them. The groceries go off, uh, not my wife, but um, a friend of ours, a couple of years ago decided to clear her freezer and deliberately say, not my wife, because you might assume that it is, uh, and I'd be in trouble. But a, a friend of ours decided to clear their freezer. And they discovered, um, they discovered, I think, um, meat or beef that had been in the freezer for, I think it was around 20 years. They'd sort of lost count. They'd moved it with them, I think, when they'd moved house the previous time or something like that. There was apple tarts and there was all kinds of things in the freezer that had been there for decades. And I said, well, did you eat them? And they said, no, no, we threw them out. They didn't risk them. You see, even, even the best preserved food in fridges and freezers will go off. The, the, the milk will go sour. The bread will go stale. The meat will become dangerous. The pasta will become soggy. It's not a good idea. Uh, and you know, you all probably had had a lunch or a meal at some point earlier today, but my guess is that 90% of you at least, unless those of you who have been really, really healthy and slimming and all the rest, uh, will go home and you'll eat again before you go to bed tonight. No, I will. You'd know to look at me, wouldn't you? You're thinking it, so I thought I'd say it. Okay. You see... All of this stuff of life, good stuff, good stuff. It, it doesn't last forever. Some of it doesn't last very long, but even that which does last for a season doesn't last forever. But there's food that God wants to give us. There's spiritual food. There's life that God wants to impart to us that will last quite literally, quite literally for all of eternity. And that's what this chapter is all about. It's food that has been paid for by Jesus Christ. It's food that was very, very costly because it cost the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father who had been at the, present at the creation of the world. It involved him coming in to his world that had been damaged and spoiled by sin to pay the price of your sin and of my sin and of the sins of the whole world by going to a cross and by dying on that cross in our place, this food, this food that lasts for all of eternity has been bought and paid for. It's very, very precious. It's very, very costly. It cost God his own son on the cross. But to you and to me, it's free. It's there for the taking. It's there for the eating. It's there for the enjoying. Then they said to him, verse 28 and 29, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent that you believe in Jesus. The crowds aren't particularly enamored 
by the answer because the crowds are just like us. They're proud. And they don't want to readily admit that they need anyone, that they need forgiveness, that they need it or would need a Savior to go to the cross and die for them. And that is a barrier often to men and women coming to experience all the blessings and all the fullness of life and all the things of God's Spirit that God has for us because it kind of offends us. It offends our pride that we would need anything from God. And even when we give our lives to Christ and begin to follow Christ, there can be a sense in which we, we still remain a bit proud and we don't really want more of God because, well, we can now figure the rest of it out ourselves. And this bread that Jesus gives can be offensive because it says to us that there's nothing we can do to earn it, that there's nothing we have done to deserve it, but that Jesus had to pay the price for our sin and shame and wrong. And if you really analyze that, it is offensive. Because it says to you and it says to me that we're sinful humanity. That we bring nothing to the table except our sin. And that that sin needs the mercy and the cleansing and forgiveness of God. Jesus answered them, verse 29 to 33, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread they needed, they couldn't work for. It didn't even come from Moses. It couldn't even be found really in their traditions or in their culture or in their Jewishness or in them being Sadducees or, or Pharisees. And they say to Jesus, verse 34, Sir, give us this bread always. And he gives them this incredible answer. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The manna that God fed the people with in the wilderness all those years before the Lord Jesus Christ in the days of Moses fed them physically for a period of time. But they had to go out and gather it every day. That kind of gave them a sense that they had to do something. And that kind of uh, helped overcome some of their pride. But actually, you know, we can add nothing to what Christ has done for us on the cross. He is the living bread. He provides spiritual life and spiritual food 
for everyone who gives their life to him and trusts in him. And he goes on sustaining us for all of our years. In youth, he meets our needs. In young adulthood, he meets our needs. In, in midlife and in that period of, of, of midlife, he meets our needs. As we approach old age, he, he meets our needs. As we are in old age, he meets our needs. He's the bread of life for all of our years. From not until death, he is the bread of life. There is a hunger today that only Jesus Christ can satisfy. But we can be, as it were, fed and, and full and, and satisfied by him as we... And the only language I could think of to express this is the language of engaging with God. God is sovereign, and in His sovereign day, He loves us and gave His Son to die on the cross for us. Salvation comes from Him, and He reaches and goes on reaching towards us. He goes on drawing us in, drawing us in, welcoming us to Himself, feeding our souls, nourishing us, strengthening us, sustaining us, cleansing us, healing us, filling us, blessing us. Verses 36 to 40. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. C.S. Lewis spoke of this as being closed of God closing in on him. I love that. God closing in on him. God reaching towards us. God always taking the initiative. God giving us the appetite for him and then satisfying our hunger and going on feeding us and feeding us and feeding us and bringing us into a relationship with him, sustaining that relationship with him, deepening that relationship with him and then ensuring that that relationship with him is a relationship that doesn't run out of steam but that lasts quite literally, quite literally for all of eternity. The life that God imparts to us is called eternal life. Thinking about that little phrase, eternal life. It means that it lasts for all of eternity. But I think that it also means that it's the life that Adam and Eve knew before the fall. It's the life that comes from eternity and lasts for all of eternity. It's abundant life that we enter into when we receive the life of Jesus and receive the resurrected Christ and believe in the resurrected Christ and trust in the resurrected Christ and give our lives to the resurrected Christ and are filled then by the presence of God the Holy Spirit. 
It's a life that begins when we believe in Jesus and give our lives to Jesus, and it's a life that continues beyond death. It's a life that doesn't end. It's a life that's enjoyed by all who taste the living bread. We have within us, if we're followers of Jesus, if you're a Christian tonight, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't die. Whenever you die, your body dies. But Christ in you, the hope of glory. You and I will live forever in his presence. And that's an incredible truth. In our confused world, confused about what truth is, Jesus says that he is the truth. This bread of life is truth that lasts forever. This bread of life is truth that sustains us and keeps us. This bread of life is truth that enables us to know Christ as Savior and Lord of our lives. This bread of life is truth that is eternal truth. We read the Jews, verse 21 and followed, grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were always arguing. They were always grumbling. They were a proud bunch. And they found this sense that there was a truth outside of themselves. A truth, actually, that they could only know in part, actually. Until we get to heaven, we only know in part. This bread of life we partake of and we eat with humility. This bread of life answers that sense of aimlessness that is life for so many in our world today. We can only have a life that's full and meaningful and abundant where Christ is at the center and where Jesus is the source of that abundance. Verse 44 and 45, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Is it not written in the prophets? And they will all be taught by God, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. He's bread that is life, life in itself. And that sort of deals with this aimlessness and this sense of just going nowhere. Our lives we begin to know and experience are going somewhere. They're going to heaven to start with. But actually they can leave behind a mark here in this world too. In this world where love is shallow and where people actually will use the language, well, for me, love has died. Whether it's a parent towards a child and no longer love her or I no longer love that husband or I no longer love that wife, love has died. The love of Jesus Christ doesn't die because Jesus died incredible. His love for us is eternal. He gave his life, laid down his life 
for the sins of the world. And when we believe in him, we become recipients of that love. We become beneficiaries of that love. We become those who enter into a relationship of love with the one who loves us. We love him in return and we get caught up in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We got, get even caught up in the love of the Trinity and we get to be loved by God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We get to know something of the eternal love of God, such as the nature of this bread of life. Verse 46 and onwards, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of your life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world my flesh flows from a cross of love. In our guilt-ridden world where we eat this bread, there's forgiveness. We can know that we're forgiven. Friends, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, everything, everything is forgiven. The slate is wiped clean. That doesn't mean that you become a perfect person and that you don't sin the next day or the next week. Of course you do. Uh, but your status as a sinner has been dealt with. You've been made clean. As it says elsewhere, you've only got to wash your feet because you're clean. And that forgiveness that is yours when you became a Christian, you don't lose that forgiveness. You don't lose your salvation. You're forgiven. And you're forgiven. And you're forgiven. And that forgiveness lasts. Friends, you may lack assurance, but you have been forgiven when you become a follower of Jesus. And God enables us supernaturally by his grace to be able to forgive and we then experience more of God's forgiveness. We, we know more of what it means to be forgiven as we forgive. This is God's sovereign will for us. He forgives us and he makes us his own. And in this world of broken relationships, he gives us peace and love and harmony this morning. I don't know how it came about. Uh, George and I ended up in a wee conversation here and we were reminiscing uh, about the, uh, about not the Beatles, but about the, the hippies, okay? Back in the day, the hippies, peace and love, okay? Some of you remember. You know, none of it was peace. And none of it was love. Forgiveness and truth and peace and love and meaning and purpose. These 
are the things that kind of come with this bread. These are the ingredients in the bread, in the bread of life. And they're given to us with nail-pierced hands by a risen Christ who wants us to follow him all our days and live our whole life, our whole life for his glory and for his purposes. Would you stand with me for a few moments, please?